As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. Welcome to Engineer Your Success. I am your host, Dr. James Bryant, and I have the pleasure of having Mr. Dustin DeVries here as my guest for the show. Dustin, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. As you know, this podcast is really about providing tools, tips, and techniques to help people win at work and at home. So we don't focus necessarily on work-life balance, but I ask people two questions. Do you want to win at work? They say, yes. Do you want to win at home? The answer to that is yes. So that's what we help people do. So Dustin, introduce yourself to the audience. Oh, thanks, James. Thanks for uh, having me. So yeah, my name is Dustin DeVries. I run a software company based here in Austin, Texas. We build everything from websites to web mobile apps. And uh, yeah, I've been doing this for the last, well, really, I guess, 20 something years. I started off in the semiconductor industry, did that for 10 years, and then decided to branch out on my own and start an agency. And so I've been doing that since 2013. Oh, that is cool. So tell us a little bit more about your background. So you're saying you, you were in the semiconductor industry. What were you doing there? And then what led to your transition? I was a CAD engineer. So that was basically, and that kind of takes on a broad term for a lot of people, but basically it was working with our design engineers, helping them with their software needs and software automation, integrating tools together, coming up with automated processes for the tools that they use, the design processes, building integrated circuits, that sort of thing. And like I said, I did that for about 10 years and then broke off from there, started doing some freelancing. Decided I wanted to try to be my own boss. So started doing freelancing, taking on clients and kind of moved since I had been doing software development through like the automation I was doing in the semiconductor industry, it was easy to transition over to starting to build software for other types of clients. And then once I hit some sort of critical mass, decided, all right, well, maybe I could turn this into a business and started adding employees. Okay. Okay. So was it more of a side hustle when you started or was it clean break and you just started building it up slowly? Yeah, it was a side hustle. And in that interim, when I was still working my semiconductor job, I started getting involved in affiliate marketing and set up a couple of affiliate deal hunting websites and things okay. like that. Never really took off. It was right on the verge of maybe I can make a living out of this, but it never quite materialized into that. But it gave me a lot of the knowledge I needed to go off and start building websites and web apps for the clients that I work with. So it was definitely a side hustle for a few years. Okay. So you leaned into that side hustle begin to get some of the skills and the knowledge that really were, was going to help you build the company that you wanted to build in the future. Yes, that's correct. Exactly. Yeah, and I bring that up because we talk about different success principles and people sometimes will say, well, I don't want to approach it that way. I don't know about this, but the time that you spend during that side hustle, the time that you spend learning, applying the trade, learning what works and what doesn't work, what you're good at, what you're not good at really can help set you up for success in the future. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I learned a lot about myself during that time. I still am. As a business owner, you're always learning about yourself and your strengths and weaknesses. And then it's good to, to know these things because then you can compensate for them, whether it's hiring people to help offset those deficiencies or find things to be more. I think sometimes you can make a weakness of strength just by being more cognizant of it. 
and being aware of it and being more intentional about those weaknesses. Some things come intuitively to us and we don't really have to worry about them, but other things don't. And so I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I think one of the things you mentioned is key is awareness and being self-aware and then aware of yourself in the context of your environment within your company and the people that you're working with, the steps that you need to take and what you want to do. And so what would you say has been one of the hardest things you've had to push through to accomplish what you've been accomplishing in the business world? The hardest thing, I would say for me, being an engineer, like sales and marketing has never come naturally for me. So that's kind of big ticket item here. No, no, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. But as a business owner, I heard it. It slapped me in the face. I was reading a book once. I can't remember the name of the book offhand, but talking about sales and marketing and saying, if you're a business owner, let's say you're a cook and you do a great job making amazing food and you decide to open a restaurant, you're no longer a chef. You're a person who sells good food and that experience of at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I guess there's exceptions to that. There's people who are just so amazing at what they do that they don't really have to sell anything. They just keep doing their craft and people pay them tons of money. But most of us, we have to learn how to sell. And like my number one job as a business owner is to sell. And I'm an introvert. I'm an engineer, typical engineer, introverted, don't like being around people, like to just sit in my dark room and code away or whatever. And so <laughs> it's not natural for me by any means. And so I've had to really shift myself and focus on that. Yeah. So that's pretty cool because I do think there are a lot of engineers and a lot of solopreneurs and entrepreneurs struggle with the whole issue of selling, what are some of the things that you've used or suggestions that you would have for someone who has that internal dialogue right now? I know I need to sell. I know that needs to be what I'm doing, but I'm just not good at it. Yeah. And I have a side note. I still haven't perfected that. So (laughs) I may be the wrong person to ask. But I think it's just learning a lot of the concepts around selling, understanding things like when you think about selling products or services, thinking about your ideal customer profiles, thinking about your value proposition, thinking, getting into the psychology and mindset of the buyer that you're selling to. A lot of people talk about going more niche in terms of focusing on specific verticals, focusing on a specific problem and how you solve that problem for those customers, because then you can start to speak more to that, to that problem of theirs. You don't, I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make is we just start sort of carpet bombing a lot of people with a message about how great we are and the accolades our company has and our accomplishments. And you're still not necessarily talking to someone's problem. At the end of the day, someone has a problem. You're trying to find some, you're trying to scratch an itch for somebody. And I think that's where it's been understanding that psychology better, understanding it's not just about like having the best CRM or the best newsletter tool or having the best like sign up form on your website. A lot of times it's about making sure that you're speaking to the true problem for people that you're, you're getting that interest from the beginning and then bringing them along, starting a really point of sales for a company like ours is to start conversations. That's really what we're trying to do. We're not, we sell high ticket items because we built custom software. Mm -hmm. So people aren't just going to come off the street and throw money at us. They, they're going to, they're, they usually come to us through referral channels, through our network. Yeah. But when we are prospecting, but starting a conversation and not jumping straight to the big sell, but maybe it's starting with something smaller and then yeah. working your way up to that. At Banowitz Marketing, we succeed when you succeed. Build a thriving family business with great marketing that actually works. How? Start with comprehensive marketing direction and a clear action plan. 
Then get attentive expert help and choose whether that help comes as done for you services or as done with you guidance. Visit us at thrivingfamilybusiness.com to get started today. No, I think that's great. Really beginning to focus in your value proposition. Mm-hmm. What I find with some of the clients that I have and people that I work with, what they want to jump to are all of the benefits and features of their widget or what it is that they're offering. Yeah. It could be, we have this much process and power or the materials that we're using is this much, is this strong and it has this much durability and it's getting people to understand that you have to transition that to think through, okay, those are good benefits and features, but what does it mean to the end buyer? Does that mean that it is going to allow them to make better use of their resources? Is it going to stretch their dollars further? Is it going to make them more productive? Is it going to minimize the maintenance cycle? What is it going to do for them? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think also if you're struggling with understanding what that problem is that you're trying to solve for the customer, doing customer interviews is something I haven't done a lot of and I'm starting to do more of talking to existing customers, even going out and prospecting to new customers, but not necessarily prospecting for the sake of selling to them, but prospecting, asking them if you can have a quick conversation with them about their needs. We're doing some work right now, some prospecting in the nonprofit space. And that's one of the things that, that we've been talking about is can we go out and like talk to people who are decision makers at some of these larger nonprofits and say, can you just give us 10 minutes of your time? I just want to talk to you about your needs and like what you struggle with on a day-to-day basis. I promise you, I'm not going to try to sell to you at all. This is strictly business development on my side. In exchange, we'll make a donation to your nonprofit or to a nonprofit of your choice. I think that's something we're just now starting to do that. So talk to me in a couple of months, I can tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Out, like, but that's a great way to, to figure out that value prop if you're struggling with determining it. No, I think that is great. And it's one of the things that I do in terms of the outreach that I may have with engineers, with other people that I come in contact with. It's trying to schedule a call, get on the call, but to better understand what are the issues that they're facing? What are the issues that you're facing? Are there some topics that I can use or develop for podcast episodes, for other social media posts? to be able to really provide a contribution to the community, to be able to provide solutions toward that problem. And it's all about, in this regard for me, about giving what I have, using the platform that I have to be able to help people grow and continue to grow into who they want to be. Yeah. And if you take an agency like ours, I mean, we work with a variety of different verticals. We've worked with real estate. We've worked with nonprofits. We've worked with industrial supply companies. And so... One of the problems we've had is being able, said earlier, like trying to go niche on some of your, on a certain vertical and speak to problems that the, that specific vertical has. Well, we don't have enough traction in one certain vertical to really be able to determine those patterns. And so that's important to us is being able to, so we can make educated guesses. And that's what we've tried to do in marketing. And we've had some limited success there, but I think sometimes doing the research and talking to people really does help you fill that out. And then you can focus your efforts on one specific type of per- of buyer and specific problems they may have. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is absolutely true, but you have to start, you have to start somewhere. And I think what you're saying is, yeah, we've started, we're looking at these different verticals. We're looking at the data, we're refining our message. We're continuously improving based on the data that we're collecting and the impression 
that we're getting and the responses that we're getting from the different customers or potential customers that we have. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. You're just, it's like a flywheel effect, maybe to a certain extent, you, as you get more customers, you get more understanding of their needs and can better hone in on that. And even within something you thought was a specific niche, you can even start to get even more specific. Specificity yep. is really good. I think really important with when you're talking about marketing yourself to to prospective clients, the more specific you can get, the more you start to, to stand out. So like, I mean, take something like CRMs, right? There's a lot of CRMs out there to manage your customer list and all that. But some of these CRMs have gotten very specific, like there's some that are specifically for real estate. And even within real estate, they start to break into specific niches within that. And so that's where people built products that have gotten more specific. And as a result of that, they've been able to get market share in certain verticals where they wouldn't have been able to compete with like a Salesforce or something like that in the past. Yeah. And you see this through, this isn't just a software or engineering thing. You see this through, you know, selling products overall, like any, it could be Coke versus Pepsi or whatever, right? I mean, it's a similar type of thing sometimes. That's absolutely true, man. So, all right, you've talked about your general approach to selling and growing in that area and a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about your family. So I've got a wife and two kids, 13 and 11 right now, about to 11 year olds, about to turn 12 in the next month or so. And yeah, we live here in, in Austin, Texas. It's really hot outside. <laughs> we're going through a drought. <laughs> So we're hoping we don't have any July 4th is coming up here shortly time of this recording, hoping the fireworks don't start some kind of fire out here and burn everything down because it's so dry right now. It's been pretty crazy, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else interesting, <laughs> pretty well, boring I, life sometimes, you know? Well, we, no, it's not that. I think part of it <laughs> is this whole intersection between when you're working with a W2, you're doing your side business or growing your side hustles, but you also have a family. Yeah. So how was it navigating that part of life? I'll tell you, like one of the things about our family that's maybe a little bit untraditional is that our two kiddos were adopted and we adopted through foster care. So that was around the time I started in the semiconductor industry in 2000 out of college, mm -hmm. moved up into management around 2007, 2008, was still doing my side hustle at the time. Wife and I were going through fertility issues, trying to get pregnant. And now oh, this is turning into a whole different podcast, isn't it? <laughs> <But> no, the, <laughs> no, no this is that. fine. And then um, we were dealing with what do we want to do here? Because we're, you know, we're having trouble start looking at things like in vitro fertilization and then looking at the adoption thing was always in the back of our minds. And then yeah. it was like just massive chaos because we're struggling with the pain of not being able to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Also dealing with the craziness of a job that I was in management now. So I was dealing with a lot of the office politics for yeah. a medium sized business, what people typically focus with. Like that, realizing, man, I don't know that I like this management thing because I feel like I'm constantly getting backstabbed. I'm yeah. just dealing with all that. And just my life was just a mess. And so it was really a blessing to be able to step away from that in 2010, because that's when we started going through, going through foster care. There's a lot involved with classes and all of that. And then going through our first placement and everything else and having these kids that have like real needs that need the love and care of parents. Yeah. And so. Me being able to be home, this is before COVID and everyone's doing the work from home thing now. Everyone was expected to be in the office. So the fact that I was able to step away and start working full-time for myself afforded me a lot of luxury in terms of being there for our kids when they first came to live. And they, our son was two when he came to live with us and our daughter was six months, their biological siblings. But it was great. It really was a 
I mean, it was truly a blessing for us to be able to have that opportunity to be for us both to be at home and pour our love into them when they needed it the most. And so I really am grateful for the opportunity I had and the trajectory that I went on. And sometimes I would question like, was going off starting my own business, the easy path, like maybe it would have been better just to stay in corporate America. <laughs> I think a lot of times, but <laughs> I think back to that, I think, man, like we wouldn't have made it. I don't know that we would be where we are now, have the family that we have now, yeah. had I not made that decision. Yeah, or probably I say, we didn't make that decision because it was a collaborative effort, me and my wife making that decision. Yeah, so. it probably would have been a different kind of strain on the relationship had you stayed there. But one, I thank you for sharing the story. I think it's totally appropriate because what I tell people, and I've said this on the show many times, so I, I'm going to let you in on a secret, Dustin. It's, it's, a real, <laughs> it's, it's a really closely held secret. Engineers are people too. Engineers are people too. So even though we're very analytical, we're doing all of this great technological stuff, at the end of the day, you are still a person. And there may be someone listening to this that may be going through a similar situation that may be thinking about doing something with foster care or dealing with infertility issues. And so one, I thank you for having the courage to talk about life's journey on the show. I really do appreciate that. I want to invite you to the next UnWebinar. What is an UnWebinar? It's no slides, no sales pitch, just added value. These are small group discussions that are designed to really be two-way conversations between you and myself, where you can get insight and advice on the issues that you're dealing with today. The overall goal is to equip you with what you need so that you can win at work and at home. Understand you do not have to do it alone. Sign up for the next UnWebinar today. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I, you're speaking to the choir with me on that. That's for sure, because I, I see that as well. The relationships that I've developed over the years and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of people deal with a lot of challenges. And sometimes when you're at work and you're just sitting there cranking away in front of a computer all day, whether it's as an engineer or whatever your occupation is, mm -hmm. sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that. Now with all the remote work, which I think is good and bad, for me, it's been great I love, for the reasons I already cited, but I just yeah. think that I'm more productive. I work out of my home office, but you know, the challenge is there because you're not face to face with people as much anymore. And Zoom, you can still not the same as being in person. So right. you don't see some of the challenges that, that people are going through. And it's even we're relating to each other even less today. Politics aside, it's like we're, it's all, everything's just kind of crazy as is if it wasn't for all like COVID and everything else that's gone on. Right. So yeah. like, uh, yeah, I just, I think that's a good, it's a good reminder to everyone to think about that. Like you said, engineers are people too, right? So. Engineers are people too. And it's interesting because I think part of it is that with the remote work piece mm -hmm. is that we want to use the same playbook that we use prior to COVID. We were all in the office to manage work process and programs. And then Okay, we knew when we were going through COVID and everybody was remote, we had to do something different. Now you're in this hybrid situation, which is a totally different animal because you have people that want to be in the office and that are looking at the people that are not in the office like, hey, well, you guys need to come on, get in the office. And you have the people that are working from home that are like, why would I ever come back to the office again? Mm -hmm. And so you have to develop <laughs> new strategies to engage and develop your employees and the relationships that you want to foster. And so maybe you're looking at having some kind of a brown bag lunch hour where 
all of the folks are coming in and you're able to have some type of communication, you're not going to totally replace what you had in person. But there are some things that you can do to help build your team, your camaraderie in the lines of communication in this mm -hmm. hybrid environment. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it goes back to like, we've talked about weaknesses and being intentional about things. This is definitely one of those blind spots that is it's already a blind spot when you're in person working in the same office with people. You see someone come in, they look down, you can tell something's not right with them. As a coworker, or as a manager, whatever your relationship is, you can maybe go over to them and say, hey, is everything going okay? Just kind of shoot the breeze with them in their, at their desk, in their cubicle, whatever, right? Now you don't even have that opportunity because it's just the quick Zoom calls that maybe you have throughout the day with those people and otherwise you're not seeing anyone. So yep. yeah, it's definitely, you know, I think that's kind of what you're saying is being more intentional about some of this stuff, whether it's having like maybe some sort of session with your team just to kind of unwind and something I've had to be more intentional about because it's really easy for me to just get pigeonholed into I need to sell more and I need to focus on these other things. And then yeah. I, for a long time, I didn't do one-on-ones with a lot of our developers. And that was a mistake because I didn't get a chance to really foster and build relationships. I've been doing this since 2013. So I've got employees have been working with me for seven, eight years. And we have a lot of discussions like work calls, but in a one-on-one -on -one environment, I'm able to just be like, well, I usually try to take a few minutes to just be like, how are things going in your life? And not trying to pry and anything yeah, like that, yeah. but respect people's privacy, but just start to, to relate to them more and learn more about them personally. And we have a global team. So uh, even more important, I think, to do those. A lot of, of people don't have one-on-ones with the people that they, that work for them or the people that they're managing. And mm -hmm. for me, it's, I, I think it's a must. You have to have a one-on-one. Yeah. One. If you are in a normal company and it becomes performance review time, normally you have to come up with your goals and what it is that you want to do. And then you take it and you mm -hmm. save that document or you turn it into HR. And most people never look at it again. They, like, they don't look at it again. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. what I'm going through with my team is that, hey, we're going to pull out these goals. We're going to look at them at least quarterly to see, are you on track? Do you need some help? Is there something in the way? that I can do to help facilitate you being able to achieve that goal. And I think as a manager, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to be there for. As a business owner, you want to make sure that you're creating an environment where the people that are working for you can actually flourish. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, I think kind of ties into just having processes, mm -hmm. right? Within your business, because and that's something that's on my mind a lot, because we're still a small enough company that I can interact with every, and I think, you know, no matter what, I'll probably always try to interact with our employees, no matter how big we get. But I think that it's hard sometimes to, you, you have to think about what are you going to look like as you grow? Because what I may do now as a business owner, I have a different stake in this and maybe somebody that I hire. And so I think it's really easy. I mean, I was in management. It was easy to think about like, ah, I don't really want to deal. I've got this big list of things I need to get done. But I really want to take 30 minutes or an hour doing a one-on-one -on -one yeah. with somebody. And it's like, is that really the most important thing right now? But, you know, once you have those processes in place and say, well, we're going to do one-on-ones on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, whatever the cadence is, we're going to do reviews on a quarterly basis yep. or semi-annually or whatever it may be. And this is something that we're going through. We just went through our first like formal review process in Q1 of 2022. We've been around since okay. 2013. That doesn't yeah. mean I haven't ever done reviews before. <laughs> it just means that we always push yeah. it to the wayside. And I started realizing I'm not doing a good enough job measuring the success and celebrating the wins of individual members of my team. And by going, forcing myself to go through a review process, it allows us to do that 
also allows us to tie that into like merit raises and things like that, where before it's kind of a feel thing of like, oh, well, Joe hasn't got a raise in a while. Like maybe it's time to bump him up. And it's like, no, I think it needs to be more intentional than that. And then thinking about how are we going to do that when we grow to a larger company where I've got, where I have managers reporting to me and then they have yep. people under them. They need to have these processes in place too. And the best time to, to start doing that is now, because then that's one less thing we have to worry about when we grow and add additional layers of, not that I'm big on adding layers of management, but you know, those are just the necessary evils of a growing business. Hey, this is James, and I'm here to help you win at work and at home. Let's connect. You can use the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary session. And we're going to walk through the steps that it's going to take for you to start thriving so you can engineer your success and live the life that you love. Come on, sign up today. Yeah, you want the foundation in place to sustain the growth, right? To sustain the structure yes. that you're building. And I think that's actually exactly. awesome insight on your part. And it's good advice for anyone, regardless of what size of business that you're doing or what you want to undertake, having that foundational piece yeah. with the, a system or processes is key to being able to facilitate your ability to grow. So, so Dustin, what are some other general success principles that you would provide to our audience just for that have helped you along the years? Success principles. Yeah, one of the new things I've started doing this year is journaling. I'm a big proponent of it now that I've started. I've actually done it every single day since January 1st, 2022. Right. And it's like, <laughs> so this is like New Year's resolution kind of thing, I guess, but it was... One of those things where I've heard some other people talk about it. And the thing I like about the most is it allows me to put my thoughts down on paper, allows me to measure what I'm doing and I can go back and yeah. look at trends. I think the trend part of it is the most important. If I find that every day I look back over a two week period or a month period and see that, well, I've been struggling with some of the same things each and every day, then that's how I start to identify those blind spots we talked about and start to do something to be more intentional about fixing them. I'm also a big proponent. I think my favorite business book of all time was The One Thing by Jerry Keller. Yes. And I absolutely love that book. And the whole idea about the domino effect and like thinking about each day, staking out your one thing you need to do. And then that transitions into your, your weekly goal, to your monthly goal, quarterly, annual, three-year, five-year, 10-year lifetime, right? And I love that concept. And I look back at 2021, this is why I started journaling. Look back at 2021 and every day I had a to-do list. I, and I think a lot of people think, yeah, to-do list is good enough. I'll just put down a list of things I want to get done and check them off each day and I'll be good. Well, the problem is I end up working in my business yeah. instead of on my business. And again, it's back to that whole sales and marketing thing. That's the most important thing I can do right now for my business. And so I kept finding excuses not to do it. And they, I felt pretty justified. It's like, well, there's this big fire blew up with a customer. We need to go fix this problem. So I'm not doing any sales and marketing. And that's like, okay, well, like I continue to struggle. We're not getting the healthy pipeline that we want to have and growing the way we want to. And so now by doing the journaling, I'm writing down my one yeah. thing each day and I'm writing down, I actually go in and each week I write, I have like a week's entry in my journal that shows my weekly goal. I have like work goals and personal goals. And I put down like the one thing I want to get done for the week personally. And the one thing I want to get done for my, for work as well. And I do the same thing on a monthly basis. And I do the same thing looking at quarters and years and, and everything else. And so now I'm able to make sure I'm identifying that each day and each week and each month 
but I'm also able to measure it and see how often I'm being successful. So I look back at 2021, I think I probably didn't, if I'm being honest with myself, the one thing that I needed to do each day, I probably, if I did it 15% of the time, that's probably oh, more wow. generous than uh, reality. It's like saying one out of every five, one out of every 10 days, I probably actually accomplished what I set out to do the other nine days or whatever, eight days, I didn't do it. And now I'm doing that every day. And that's made a huge impact on us being able to move the ball forward as a company and me being able to move myself forward with what I wanted to do individually. That is awesome. You are dialed into the one thing. I love that book. I love the concept mm -hmm. of really being able to think about what is that one thing that you can kind of do to help move you forward, right? It is the thing that all of the other stuff begins to fall into place if you can accomplish that one thing during that day, during that time period. So that is awesome. Yeah. Dustin, it's been great talking to you, man. I look forward to hearing in the future about how the effort with the nonprofits has been coming as you reach out to them. Is there anything else that you would like to leave the podcast audience listeners with? No, I really, I really appreciate you having me on here. And yeah, I talked about we, we build software so if anyone out there is interested in talking about any kind of app or software needs that they may have or want to brainstorm concept, we offer free consultations on that. So you can reach us, the company's Caffeine Interactive. Again, it's just caffeineinteractive.com. All one word, no hyphens or anything in there. Reach out to us there and happy to, typically I'm the one who hops on those calls. So if you want to have a chat with me, just fill the form on there and I'm happy to hop on a call and chat with you about anything we talked about here today. Or as I said, any app software ideas, I'm happy to brainstorm those with you as well. Oh, that is cool. We'll include a link to your website and your contact information in the show notes. And Dustin, I'm going to end this podcast as I end every podcast. And that's this. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it. And then there's a select group of people that actually follow through, do it, and achieve the life of their dreams. Dustin, I want to thank you for being part of that select few and providing some success principles so that others may be able to join you being as you engineer your success. Thank you. Awesome. I love it. Thank you, James. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life and it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.